You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills, and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much was being sourced overseas, and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that are still making in the UK. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in Britain, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be chatting to inspiring British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering advice to product-based businesses that make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode number 247 of the Make It British podcast. So regular listeners may have noticed that no podcast went out last week. I am really sorry. I hate to let you down and not be consistent with this. But we had our virtual forum last week, the Make It British virtual forum, which we held at the beginning of November, for those that are listening to this in the past. It was a fantastic event. We had some really amazing panellists. And so what I thought I would do for you today, in case you missed it last week, was to bring you one of those panel sessions or an edited version. This is actually because the panel session itself was over an hour and I thought that was a little bit too long for a podcast. So you've got an edited version of one of the panels, which was all about how to attract customers and create raving fans. And I had three amazingly successful UK made brands, Justine Tabak from women's wear brand, Justine Tabak, Jack Millington from leather goods brand, Billy Tannery, and Rosie McPherson, who you may remember on this podcast a few months ago, who is one who, who was one of the clients in our British brand accelerator program program who I helped to launch her Where's Winnie business, which is her very innovative dog car seat. Go and check that one out. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. So here you go with this session. Now, if you want to watch the video of this, the extended version of this talk, because it's got some real valuable gems in it, as well as the other four sessions that happened at the Make It British Virtual Forum, and you didn't get a ticket to the event, we've still got the replays that you can buy a ticket to. So you can catch those recordings and buy a ticket for the recordings at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash forum. And then you get six months access to the recordings. So maybe you came to the event and you'd actually like to watch it back again as well. So if you do, I'll pop the link to that in the show notes for the podcast. But otherwise, here you go over to this session about how to attract customers and create raving fans. Hello, guys. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi. Right. So the reason I've got you three here today is because we are talking about all things marketing and sales, attracting customers and creating raving fans. And you three are all really good at it. So I thought I would get you in to talk to all of our to all of our guests about it. So before we go any further, let me just introduce you all briefly. Firstly, we've got Justine Tabak. Her grandfather was an East End tailor, love it. So dressmaking is in her blood. She graduated from the Royal College of Art in fashion and textiles. Her career has spanned the catwalks of Italy to the commercial demands of the British High Street. Oh gosh, aren't we glad we don't work for the British High Street anymore, (laughs) Justine? She's grown her own eponymous label from a kitchen table business to a fully fledged, small, talented team based in a studio in Hackney, which looks amazing right now 
creating yeah, a sustainable <laughs> modern romantic women's wear collection made entirely in the UK. Welcome, Justine. And I remember when you first got in touch with me, when I first started Make It British, said, can you help me find some manufacturers? It was like so long ago now and you've come such a, such a long way. Amazing. But thank uh, you, Kate, because I wouldn't be here without you, actually. So oh, you're part of that lovely. journey. <laughs> thank you. Um, then we've got Rosie. Hello, Rosie. So, Rosie, you uh, started an Instagram account for your dog, Winnie. We should have got Winnie along today, shouldn't we? Um, brilliant. You started it just for fun, but it soon grew into quite a following. After the birth of your first child, and I know you've just had another one as well, you spotted a gap in the market for a safe, comfortable and high quality dog car seat. So you decided to design one and get it manufactured in the UK, which is how we met, wasn't it? Because you were on our British brand accelerator program. Um, you launched Where's Winnie in February. That feels like, again, like ages ago now. Um, and you use yeah. Winnie's existing social media platform to grow the business and create a loyal base of fans. So thank you so much for joining me today, Rosie. And then finally, last but not least, that's what they say, isn't it? We, we got Jack Millington from Billy Tannery, co-founder of Billy Tannery. You have been bringing a fresh approach to leather since 2016. You do a range of bags, accessories and footwear, all sourced, tanned and made in the UK from hides that were previously going to waste. From your farm-based micro tannery in Leicestershire, Billy Tannery is here to show that there is life in the UK leather industry yet. Amazing. Thank you, all three of you, for joining us today. Right, let's first start and ask all of you this. I'm going to start with you, Justine. What are the main forms of marketing that are working for you right now? What's well, working? No surprise, Instagram is probably our biggest form of marketing. Um, Facebook haven't used that much, but I know it links to Instagram, so in a way it does work. Um, but actually... Our main form of marketing is our personal newsletters. Um, I sometimes think, is that really a form of marketing? Because it feels almost too much part of the, the main business. It's not an add-on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do almost weekly newsletters and that really performs for us. And then the, obviously sometimes they're linked with the Instagram campaigns. You're underselling your newsletters a little bit there, and I'm going to come on to that in a minute because that's the reason I've got you here, Justine, because I love your newsletters. And if there's anyone here right now that hasn't subscribed to Justine newsletter but wants to know how to do a really good email marketing newsletter, um, get on her list. Justine, how do they get on your list? What's the quickest way? On your website? The, quick, the best way is go straight to the website. It says follow, follow our stories or even there's a link on Instagram. But, yeah. Go onto the website, that's the best way. But it's funny that you should say that because um, I don't feel that they're that special. But anyway, I love doing them. That, I think <laughs> that's, that's it, though. It is. Yeah. That is exactly <laughs> it, and it shows, definitely. Mm. Um, how about you, Jack? What's, what's working for you right now? Well, I would, I would agree that email is a, is a really important tool. Um, pretty much everything that we're doing a billy tannery now is in some way related to email so even even our other advertising whether it be social media or anything that we're doing the focus is getting people to sign up to our newsletter because that is such a powerful tool for telling the story and getting people um interested in the brand and knowing knowing what you're doing so 
yeah, we, we've sort of tailed off quite heavily on um, paid social media. Um, even even on sort of non-paid organic social media is done less frequently at the moment just because it's more of a catalogue than a actual driver of, of, of new customers for us. So, yeah, I would say the occasional bit of PR is obviously very helpful, um, but it's quite hard to predict and quite hard to, to rely on, I would say. So, yeah, we've had some great success from PR in the past, but it's very hard to replicate, I would say. Um, I, the most important one I would say that I haven't mentioned yet is, is collaborations and don't don't forget about that as a marketing channel because if you've got another brand that you can work with who has a similar audience to yours then that is a sometimes very very easy way of finding new people yeah that's spot on in fact I was saying to Justine before we came on uh, her ears must have been burning because we talked about this morning when she did a collaboration with Wallace Sewell doing those lovely feral tank tops and they sold out in a day on both both of you were were promoting them, weren't you? So yeah, I think collaborations it's really interesting. And it's interesting um that you mentioned email as well there, Jack. I know um your email welcome sequence is again one of the best that I've seen. And I maybe for those that are watching this that don't have what's known as a welcome sequence, do you want to just talk people what you do with those emails from those first two or three when they join your list? Yeah. Yeah, so we we just use an inbuilt function in Mailchimp um, to essentially welcome people in when they when they sign up to our newsletter. So quite often you'll sign up to something to get a discount code or something, and then you'll just forget about it and occasionally see an email. But what what we have is a series of three emails, but it's split up into sort of like welcome, thank you very much for following us. This is who we are. This is what we do. And then over the next couple of days, you'll receive. A little bit more information about our products about how we make them and it just sort of drip feeds information to someone that's just said i want to hear from you um and it's all about those stages to a purchase which for us with a higher price point is not always an immediate purchase so it's just trying to get people engaged and staying along with the journey yeah, that's such a good point because I know, you know, if you make in the UK, your products probably are going to be more expensive than, you know, someone could get a leather bag for half the price. But it's about them understanding the whole brand and the ethos of the brand and what goes on behind the scenes. And that's what I think your welcome email sequence does really well. It's like it's got a picture of the co-founders. It shows, you know, your tannery, talks about what you do and why you do it. I think, yeah, I think it's fab. So, again, get on the Billy Tannery mailing list, everyone, just to see that that example. So Rosie, for you then, so when we first met, you had this pretty big, how big was Winnie's Instagram audience before you started? Because you did something really clever in that you built up your audience before you launched your first ever product, didn't you? Yeah, so I mean, Winnie still has a sort of separate Instagram account that is separate to Where's Winnie, which is the business. Um, So Winnie's account has sort of 36,000 followers Whereas Winnie does have a lot less, but um, it's been really interesting using the two kind of platforms in tandem and kind of doing joint posts sometimes and being able to promote to a wider audience, but sort of in a bit more of a diluted way. But yeah, as you'd imagine, kind of Instagram is is my like main platform for marketing. And actually hearing Justine and Jack talk about emails making me think, oh my God, I haven't sent an email for so long and it's been on my list. So this has inspired me to go away and get back onto email because it's yeah, so important. I think also sort of slightly different to Justine and Jack is that 
I'm obviously very new to this. So only launched this year. You know, I've started from scratch in terms of, of building up an audience for the business. And so I have actually been using paid advertising this year um on Instagram and Facebook and I I know it's you know it's it's changed a lot um thanks to kind of the iOS stuff which means you can't track things as well as previously but um it is still working for me at the moment in terms of just getting my name out there um but having said that I have also been known to do much more sort of guerrilla things like literally I have a stack of leaflets in the bottom of my pram and when I take my my boys and my dog out for a walk I'm literally anyone with a small dog I'm like oh do you know about this do you know about road safety and having literally do some strangers on the street and I I've got a little code on there so I can then track each thing so um, I've also got one in our local vets and um, managed to get the vet on my side to start talking about it for me. And there's like a set of leaflets there with a different code. So then when the sales come in, I can actually track and see what's working and what's not. Um, so, yeah, surprisingly, the leaflets in the park work quite well. Love it. Exactly. And this is what, yeah, thinking outside of the box and not just like, even though you have this big audience on Instagram to start with thinking outside the box about other things. And it is actually those in real life and in person things. That's really, that's really interesting. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's interesting what Rosie just said, um, because she's just started and I've, I'm in my sixth year. Um, but some of the things that I, I worked on that I, how I marketed with pop-ups and sort of events in, in-person events and letter dropping. I remember letter dropping all around sort of North London. And at the time I thought it was very, very sort of basic and quite naive, but actually six years on, I've come back around to some of those methods because I think everybody gets a bit drawn and bamboozled by the tech giants, but actually what we can offer as small British brands is more than that. You know, we are living in our environment where we're with the people near us and actually that's that says a lot so I've returned to some of those things that you're doing Rosie <laughs> so yeah. I think you, you've sort of advanced you've let me yeah. very quickly <laughs> yeah, I think after after the last few years we've had as well people are really craving like social connections and I think whenever I get the chance to talk to somebody rather than them see an ad or see a post on online like there is so much more of a chance of a sale when I've had a conversation versus you know, just seeing something. And I think also like the chatting to people in person or, or being able to have a real conversation just um, fast tracks that, you know, the research shows that you need to see something like seven or eight times for it to like sink in. But also if having a real conversation, you fast track that completely. Um, so I think there's just such a benefit. Yeah, definitely. And it creates those raving fans, which is what we're all talking about definitely and also you know I've talked earlier in the session area about having a story and being transparent about your manufacturing and Jack that's one thing you do so well I mean because partly because you do have control of your own manufacturing do you think that really matters to your customers that you have this inspiring brand story you know you say you're looking at the data which is brilliant um, because definitely should always do that when it comes to marketing so is it at that point when you start giving them the whole story, the background behind Billy Tannery, that people then start buying your products? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the the only way that a business like ours can stand out amongst the giants of the luxury leather goods world, and that that is who we're competing with as much as we think we're not, is is to that, find that point of difference and and make sure people know about it. And I think that's why we've let, sort of 
ended up doing a lot more of this sort of email and detail stuff because that's the way that you know the difference if if my products on a advert or on a whatever it, it it looks it's very similar to anything that you could buy from anywhere so it's trying to get people to the detail and behind the scenes as as quickly as possible so that they understand um what the difference is and and, and why it, it's important mm, yeah definitely and for you justine i mean that I'm going to come back around to your newsletters because I'm not going to let you just get away with, oh, just they're just any old thing that I send out because it's not, you know, the, there's amazing stories in there. There was one particularly that struck me and I still remember it, history of Clooney Lace. Do you see a direct correlation between sending those emails out that talk about the provenance of, of your and your suppliers and, and sales of your products? Absolutely. And it's interesting that you've remembered the Clooney Lace because that's... Um, that's the story that most people remember, which is interesting, maybe because it is the rem- only remaining lace um, supplier and people are obviously surprised. And yet that is, so that brings a lot of people to the website because because Clooney and the lace and the products that are made in that are the most expensive, it doesn't necessarily convert to masses of sales in the lace, albeit I've, I've made products in their lace right from the start but it will it will draw that whole story has captured the imagination of a lot of the customers and they always remember that story um but I mean this is this is in a way is the reason I set up the business I wanted to get away from that whole corporate thing of just thinking about heavy sales talk and the whole point of setting up the business was to talk about the people that make the clothes, the people that make the fabrics, the heritage, the stories, um, that's turned into, you know, spot. Uh, just recently I had a newsletter about a girl that I spotted on the train wearing something um, from the collection and she came in to model. And uh, there are so many interesting ways that I think can enrich a brand and people do really remember that. And it's a subtle thing. It's just what Jack said. It is some, sometimes... It's immediate. I mean, every week um, from the newsletter, we do make sales, but sometimes it can take three or four months. But if you've thought of an imaginative way of en- encapsulating the collection, people do come back and they remember. So it's, it's quite organic, but it's also very direct at the same time. Mm. And what do you do yeah. when you, you know, this is for all of you, really. And I know because <laughs> a question a lot of people think like, oh, I don't know what, when it comes to either doing Instagram posts or sending off an email or any form of marketing, where do I get the ideas from? I'm totally stuck. I never know what to write or what to post. Rosie, what do you, I know, what are your tricks for how do you, you know, consider, because you actually, you know, you've undersold, you've built up your your um, Where's Winnie, you only launched in February and I looked yesterday and you've already got several thousand followers just on Where's Winnie's on your actual brand account now. How do you constantly come come up with ideas of what to post apart from cute dogs? Yeah, well, yeah, it is one of those things. You do feel a bit like the repetition might bore people, but I think, well, firstly, I said earlier, you know, people need to see things so often. So I just don't think, I don't think you can ever bore people. There is so much to say, particularly as Justine just said, there's so much like behind a brand that's not just, you know, something, you know, there's such a story and a narrative to tell. Um, But I do, yeah, when I'm feeling a bit, um, 
unimaginative. I do just kind of go to my reviews and um, pictures of of the dogs because that's my like go to because people are always so inquisitive and like will my dog fit or you know and they want to see real pictures of of other people's dogs um so that tends to be my go to um another thing in terms of posting is try and get your like face onto camera it's not a favorite thing of mine to do but actually when I do it whenever I post something that has me in it or is me talking I get so much more engagement and people are much more interested to know about me and my kids and you know rather than it just all being a bit of just Winnie which she's obviously very beautiful but I'm sure people might get bored if the whole thing is just her so yeah I think getting getting yourself on camera is always is always a good one to do yeah you do that as well don't you Justine well I find it quite depressing because I actually really love doing photo shoots that's one of my favorite things (laughs) and you you know you put all this time and energy into getting models and the right setting and the right lighting but frankly if I was just like sitting on the bed with the cat things are all over the place in the background everything's chaotic I don't know there's something that captures everybody's imagination (laughs) um so yeah, it doesn't have to be something. It doesn't have to be something very precious. It can be just a fleeting moment. Do you get in front of the camera at all, Jack? Do you find that I do, that works I do. for your brand? Yeah, I do. I do it um, from the tannery sometimes because I think that's the bit that people don't really understand, or is 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 the bit that's maybe uh, useful to to show. Like some people, there's the assumptions around what a tannery might be are very different to what ours actually is on a, on a farm in, in the UK compared to say sort of somewhere uh, in Morocco or something that people I think in their mind have got what a tannery looks like so I've done it partly for that I've always tried to sort of find that balance because you're sort of trying to set up a very ambitious brand that's going to be sort of all, all this and that but and you don't want to look like you're very small and you don't want to look like it's you just doing it from your bedroom or something and actually it's finding that balance between looking professional but also the, that personal side and I think it's very easy to go one way or the other and I think it's yeah it's, it, there's room there's room to do both I think people are like inherently so nosy and they just want to know what's going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah they definitely yeah they do and do you or do all, the question to all of you do you find that it is video right now that's working are any of you using TikTok you know which is all video and of course Instagram is going that way as well isn't it where it's kind of forcing people more to do reels so yeah question to all of you are you are you finding it is video that's working best I have literally I'm a bit embarrassed to share this but I've had to have some TikTok lessons from my 17 year old niece <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have now set up a TikTok and have, um, yeah, never felt so old, but um, fully embracing it. I, for a while, was like, no, I don't want to do it. Instagram's my platform. Um, but yeah, I think you just have to move with the times. And I think I, um, just the sort of general feeling, I'm on a few sort of um, groups of small businesses and the general chat amongst everyone is that it's... Uh, Instagram is not performing as people would like it to not necessarily paid but just in general people are much moving much more towards TikTok and people are getting very annoyed with the algorithms on Instagram um so yeah trying to do that I think the benefit of 
um, one of the perks of TikTok over Instagram is it is a lot less um, polished. So you don't have to feel like you're making such a perfect reel. It can be much more authentic, like behind the scenes stuff that does appeal to people. And, and it can be very short and quick and easy to make. So that's what I'm embracing. I'm trying to just go with and go with the flow on it. Right, I'm going to follow you on TikTok. Is it as is it as where's Winnie, Rosie? Because I'm a lurker yeah. on TikTok. I think I've done a couple of TikToks and my son told me they were crap, so I've not done any since. <laughs> How about oh. you, Jack? Have you embraced TikTok? No, not yet. No, it's one of those things that um, I kind of am a bit perfectionist when it comes to that kind of stuff, and I haven't had the time to kind of learn about it. As Rosie said, like you kind of need someone to teach you how to do it, and it's just one of those things it's going to another thing to take up time and doing it properly and uh, I, we definitely will do it just one of those things i just haven't quite got into the habit of think there's lots of opportunity to, to be doing that kind of thing i haven't haven't quite jumped into it yet yeah and you're right it, it does have to be a habit almost doesn't it like if you're used to the habit of oh i'm gonna check instagram first well maybe you need to get into the habit of you know making it's, it is you know, changing things. Because Justine, for you, I suppose, especially because you've come from the fashion industry like I have, and the fashion industry totally embraced Instagram, didn't it? Yeah. And so and yeah. TikTok somehow it doesn't quite work with fashion. Do you yeah, feel the same? Yeah, it almost seems. It's interesting what Jack just said about this sort of being, per, you know, perfect and presenting something that's very professional. And TikTok seems to be almost against that sort of the grain. Um, but... Like Rosie said, I think, you know, I've been doing, I'm, I'm really like a granny on, I would be like a granny on TikTok, but you know, hey, I don't really care about that. And I'm always a bit nervous of saying absolutely no to something. I think you have got to embrace things. I'm not on TikTok yet. Um, I don't feel I've really needed to go on TikTok. Um, you know, we, we batch make, so we, we make things too to sort of order so we're not we're not in that thing of selling huge amounts of, of products um it's an interesting thing about reels though because I got myself into I got my really into a twist about um reels and when I've looked at the data more recently the reels haven't necessarily performed any better than product shops and I've had a massive backlash I know that there's been a backlash on Instagram about reels trying to be like TikTok, I might and I put a little sort of thing out on Instagram to my to my followers. What do you think? And they came back so strongly that they couldn't stand reels. They couldn't stand the noise. It was too frenetic. They couldn't see the product. So even when I do a reel, it tends to be quite a slow, <laughs> laborious. It's more about this is you know this is how you wear a product getting very close to the fabric and the materials and the craft and the quality. I don't think that the reels that I'm doing are very reels-like, if that makes sense. It is all about elevating the quality. I so, think there's a place for that. I don't think I don't think it has to be like while the sort of the trending stuff on is like really garish and uh, people dancing and everything like that. I don't think that means that that's what you have to do as a brand. And I think that's, that's the sort of what I'm trying to work out at the moment is what's uh, what different sort of video might you do that is yeah maybe a bit more educational or uh, I think it isn't I think it's from what I understand you're trying with TikTok versus say Instagram or is that you're trying to either entertain or educate with it and I think rather than it being social 
necessarily it's more about education or entertainment and I think choosing what you're trying to do like am I trying to make people laugh here probably that's not what I want to do so how would I use it to educate and teach people about what's going on behind the scenes or what you're up to or whatever I think is the way I'm going to look at it I think I think it's um I think with marketing and and getting these sort of raving um followers as you called it I think you've got to be quite brave as well as follow the mold I think you you can be very tempted to go with everything and follow everything and take up every single platform but I think if you know your customers and you've got a really clear idea you can be as brave to follow something or as brave to not follow a trend and I think that that's really important um and I think coming back to the newsletters that we do once we've put that newsletter out everything about that piece um, I'm very, very confident that the customers will really relate to it because you've got a whole picture of what, of who they are and what they love. And and I don't think at the moment, but I doesn't mean to say that I shouldn't be looking towards it, but um, I don't think that my community love TikTok. <laughs> I think some of them are still not even on Instagram. <laughs> and that's so true and it is about being doing what you're you know you meant what I thought was really interesting you mentioned there was that your customers have fed back that they don't like the reels and that's what's the most important thing is listening to your customers so Rosie you've already confessed you don't send emails enough which what was I talking to you about when you're in British Brand Accelerator you must send more emails I hope these two are a great example of how, how you should send more because that's what I hear from a lot of people is like if I send too many emails people are going to opt out and you know it's a bit like someone has said about if you post too much it's going to bother your friends or it's going to bother people on the list how often do you send your emails, Justine? And, you know, it's about not getting personal. If someone unsubscribes, then don't go and cry in the corner because they maybe yeah, weren't your true I'm customer. Lucky we, don't, we don't have that many unsubscribers, but I am aware. We, we went through a stage that I was sending out two a week, which was one a huge distraction for the daily business because when I sit down to do that, that newsletter, it takes a good half day. Um, so it was too much to do two a week, but actually I noticed a real drop off. So it's I keep coming back to the same obvious phrase. It's quantity over quality. And although we have a planner that has one out every week, if sometimes I've been known to say, you know what, we haven't got enough to say here. Let's just not do it. And it's exactly what I do with Instagram. I used to get all het up about not having an Instagram on a daily basis, but better to, to do something with a really good message behind it rather than feeling that you've got to do it every day I think the customers are not stupid I think they'll pick up on that um, and they don't want to see something that's not quality in some form yeah yeah how about you Jack how often do you send emails so we have the newsletter which is the um, less salesy email so every fortnight we have an email called the Billy Drum which is it's sort of stuff one thing about us and then there's a few other things that we've seen and we like and that's just something we've been doing for a few years now and I just sort of naturally if I'm reading something and I think oh that that will be good I'll put it in a note and uh leave that and that that goes into a fortnightly email which is more about kind of I guess our brand uh identity as such like things that other things that we like therefore this is what we're about um that works really nicely for us that's every fortnight and what's meant to happen is that in the gap so in the weeks that we don't have that we have a slightly more sales email um depending on what's in stock or what's happening what time of the year it is but 
that one sometimes slide um, depending on yeah if we've got anything interesting to say um, or sell at that moment but yeah it's it's just finding your own rhythm with it really there's no point as Justine says you can't spend your whole time doing it so uh, yeah I like doing the billy drum so I make sure I make time for that every fortnight um, but yeah you don't need to send them too often no so, but like I say it's consistent a very very popular newsletter that we had last Christmas Kate which I should I don't know if you would have seen it is where we talked 10 other British brands yes. and recommended them yeah. through a newsletter and not only did that coming back to that thing of finding other brands I mean some of them didn't know us it was a chocolate brand up in Scotland and I just yes. had to see something and they didn't know us but of course then they post us posted us out but the customers loved that because it was it was like curating a shop for them that they could look into so that was yeah. very good Love it. I remember that. I think I bought that chocolate actually off the back of your recommendation. That brings to then a final question I've got to ask all of you. Okay, so we're coming up to the dreaded Black Friday, which all the, of course, the big retailers go mad for. What do you all do when it comes to that time of year when everyone else is on sale and, you know, you don't need to be on sale or for whatever reason? How do you handle that? Any tips? Should you feel the pressure to do a discount? Do you give to charity? What do you do? Justine, asking you first as the longest established business. Well, I think, again, it's you've got to be brave. Certainly, I definitely don't subscribe to Black Friday. I don't necessarily subscribe to Christmas sales that seem to start in November. I think, obviously, as a business owner, you know when you've got your troughs and your peaks. And sometimes it's just it might be about a couple of different products you don't have to go into a blanket sale equally there might be times that you do but I think go with your own instincts and your own timetable um yeah we're sort of almost it's not intentional but because our stock levels are normally pretty low we just don't have the business need to constantly go on sale it's just not something that we do so what we have done in the past is something a bit jokey and just say well we're not not doing black friday but all uh black leather items will be do something like or get something free or like it just to, to nod that something's going on in the world but not necessarily just having a sale because it's it's that time of the year good Rosie, what are you planning? It's your first Christmas yeah. with your brand. Um, yeah, you're expecting lots of pictures of Winnie with a Santa suit on sitting on your chairs. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I haven't had to deal with this kind of Black Friday um, shenanigans yet. But I've noticed over the last couple of years, just as a consumer, that smaller brands have just taken a massive step away from this from the sort of Black Friday mentality anyway. So I think maybe previously I might have felt a bit of pressure to succumb to that. But actually, um, you know, like Justine was saying, it's like being brave to just be like, no, I, I, I don't need to do this and I'm not, I'm not going to. And I think customers understand and aren't, and and I think all, all three of us have kind of higher price point products anyway. So it's not so much the kind of mass market um cheap items you know people invest in our products which therefore means they're not just going to wait out for the one time a year that they get a discount they want it because they want it so I think it's kind of staying true to yourself and not and not succumbing to that yeah but, so I true done, I have done charity things as well you, you took you asked about charity um again I feel that there's too many personally there's too many things like 
it's this day, it's that day, it's world this day. I've, I have a couple of charities that I feel are dear to my heart and I have sometimes sold with a percentage going to that charity and it's something that I, I'm definitely planning to do in the future. And But I wouldn't want that to be seen as a marketing tool. That's something that, again, just feels very personal that you want to give in a sense from from yourself it's not it's not and if customers want to buy into that then that's fine but otherwise it's um it's really from the business and for myself so yeah definitely great advice thank you so much all three of you you've been absolutely amazing just quickly where can they find you on instagram you are at justine tobacco is it at where's winnie and at billy tannery pretty yeah. much go and follow yeah. them everyone go <laughs> and follow them and see how they do it amazing right thank you so much for joining us guys i will let you go take care thank you kate thanks kate thank you for listening to the make it british podcast i make an episode every friday plus there's bonus episodes occasionally many of the interviews that you hear on series four of this podcast are also available to watch on our youtube channel you can find it by going to youtube.com forward slash make it british ltd that's make it british with the letters ltd bye bye